everybody welcome to another episode of the two smart dummies podcast as always i'm your host marcus and i'm your host b reed baby what's up my brother nothing much man sad day sad news yesterday yeah definitely one of the saddest days of my life man um you know it feels like you know you grew up watching a cat um it, it, it's hard to put into words what kobe bryant means to you growing up um and, you know, it's just sad, sad all around the fact that, you know, not only was it Kobe, it was his daughter, it was other parents, it was other children on the on the helicopter. Just just really sad all around. Yeah. So if you're living under a rock, Kobe Bryant um, was in a helicopter accident yesterday, um, died in the plane crash. There were nine other people that died. He was on his way to a camp where he was going to be teaching photo medals to young kids, coaching his daughter, things of that nature. Um, so it's just a tragic and unfortunate thing. Um, as you said, I mean, Kobe's a legend. Um, he's already defined his legacy. Yes, 41 is too young to die. But, man, he's 13 and 15-year-old girls in their planes. He had three young kids died in that plane crash. He had uh, parents of kids that weren't on the plane that died, that, that their parents aren't coming home. Just a really tragic day, man. Yeah, and, you know. Your heart breaks for Vanessa, um, who is, you know, has three girls that that she still has. She doesn't have her husband. And, you know, I can't imagine, you know, going what she's going through and seeing her daughter, Gianna or Gigi, as she's known as um, seeing her bed empty. Um, Truly heartbreaking, man. Um, You know, do you remember what, what you were doing or what happened when you when you found out the news? Yeah, I was actually asleep. <laughs> I was actually laying down asleep, and my phone kept buzzing, like crazy buzzing, like multiple things happening at once. So I just had to check it to see what is going on. And, you know, the first thing you see is Kobe Bryant dead. So I'm thinking, you know, it couldn't be true. You <laughs> just saw him on Saturday at the Lakers game uh, with his daughter after LeBron passed him. So I'm like, what is this? go to hoops hype and that's the first thing that's on there died died in a plane crash and it was just like man it's crazy it's crazy it's kind of unbelievable once you see it you know what i'm saying it still took a minute for it to actually process but yeah man tragic what were you what were you doing man my fiance and i were actually at an open house and you know we i walked into this room um and they had the the golf tournament on the farmers open and just i saw it out of the corner of my eye that there was a picture of Kobe and what looked like the 1978 to 2020 thing. And, you know, I, it just caught my brain. I was like, you know, I, I thought maybe he was in the crowd. Maybe they were just doing something uh, for his career, something. I, you know, it didn't fully register. And once we left the open house, you know, I, I saw the news and um, just got sick to my stomach, man. Um, I went I went home and I'm sure like everyone else, you're watching it all day and you know, I, I just cried like a baby. It, just, it felt like losing someone that you that you knew that you grow, grew up with. It was it was really, really tough, man. I mean, just the entire circumstance. Just yeah, it was already heavy. tough just hearing that Kobe. So you're trying to decipher that information that uh, Kobe may not be with us. And then you start hearing 
uh, things like his daughter, his all his daughters was on the plane with him. You know, people were just giving false information like that. His whole family was there with him. Um, Rick Fox was on the helicopter. Yeah, so it was just all this information that was coming in and trying to figure out like what's true, what's going on, because it's already sad. Um, they first reported that five people were dead. Then you find out it's nine people. It's just tragic, man. Tragic. It's it's very sad day. I saw something on Instagram where somebody posted posted um, one of the more underrated and underappreciated things in life is leaving home and taking for granted that you'll return. Yep. One thousand percent. Um, you know, and for those listening out there, I mean, we we didn't really have a plan for this podcast as far as Kobe Bryant goes. I mean, obviously, it's no one expected this. Um, but I, I do want to take some time and just talk about Kobe's legacy and talk about Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, on the court and even off the court. Uh, you know, I, I think you know I've have talked a lot about Kobe's place in history as far as NBA history. And we disagree. We both, you know, agree that he's one of the 10 best ever. Um, you know, and I, I think for me, the further that we got away from his career, you know, the, it's almost easy to forget how good Kobe Bryant was. And, and you want to be fair to history, right. And say, well, Kareem, Bill Russell, you know, Magic, Larry, and, and basically guys that truly, you know, I didn't see play live. Um, but as far as my lifetime goes, I mean, Kobe's the third best basketball player I've ever seen, and, and there's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Kobe is definitely one of those players that um, I think a lot more people tended to like him after he retired more than when he was playing. I'm one of those people. I wasn't a huge Kobe Bryant fan when he was on the court. But after he retired, I started to like him a lot more, appreciate the things that he did, appreciate um, things that he brought to the game. Um, but before we get past that, I wanted to uh, touch on one specific thing. I hear a lot of people, you know, kind of focusing on Kobe Bryant taking a helicopter. Uh, but people have to realize Kobe Bryant has been taking a helicopter, like, to practice at home like we drive to work every day. <laughs> like this is just mm-hmm. this is an everyday thing for Kobe. Like it wasn't like yep. just a random helicopter ride. Kobe, the reason why he start started flying a helicopter was so he could spend more time with his family. You know, LA traffic is crazy. Getting back and forth from practice is crazy. So that was the way he was able to put in extra time in the gym and be able to get home to see his family, get home to see things that his daughter is doing in school. It was just an everyday occurrence for him. So it's it's almost no different than someone having a car accident for him the way he took a helicopter. But yeah, um, as far as his legacy, man, I think that Kobe Bryant is one of those unique players. Um, you you have a point where you say he could get caught uh, in between eras because of the Michael Jordan and um, the LeBron James. But that also makes him a unique player because a lot of times when we have these arguments of who's the greatest players, these players have not competed against each other. And Kobe's unique in that he competed against Jordan. Jordan wasn't in his prime, but, I mean, Jordan was still Jordan when he competed against him in 96. It was still yeah. the Bulls, Jordan, yeah, not Wizards, Jordan. And, I mean, he competed so. against the Wizards, Jordan, too. And they went in a duel right. in the All-Star game where I think they went for both, like, 40 apiece or something. And Jordan's final game, yep. that was, like, one of the more impressive All-Star games that I've ever seen because Jordan was trying to get the MVP. Um, Kobe was trying to show that he has arrived as the next coming of Jordan. And that was one of the more exciting All-Star games that I've seen in my life. And the fact that he also played against LeBron James, uh, 
again, Le- LeBron hadn't hit his total prime yet, his domination, but he played in his ascension and almost through all of LeBron's seven years early. Then he also played against the Warriors dynasty. Like, he's played against so many good. He had battles with the Spurs dynasty. When you look at the level of talent, the teams, the dynasties that Kobe Bryant competed against, I mean, and his stats that he put up, his rankings, I just I just think that that holds high in the rankings of where you rank players in all time because there's not a lot of players on that top 10 list that face the level of competition at Kobe. Arguably, Jordan and LeBron didn't. <laughs> I mean, because they were in their own era, and LeBron's in his own era now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I and I 100% agree. Um, you know, I, my, my fear, you brought this up in, in our, our group chat that, you know, Kareem is underrated, and I'm starting to think that you know, you if we were to look back in ten years w- without having to visit Kobe's career in the unfortunate circumstances that we are right now, I do think that his career would be along the lines of Kareem. It'll be like you know, everybody talks about Michael, everybody talks about LeBron, or everyone talks about whomever is next, Giannis probably, Kawhi, whatever, <clears throat> but no one talks about Kobe. Oh, everybody forgets how good Kobe was. Um, and I think that would have been true. I, I think Kobe would have been in that Kareem line, just you know, uh, you know, a guy who was bigger than than he gets talked about. Um, but, uh, you know, and I want to say that's, something. That's a good point too. With saying that Kareem, because Kareem was so great in his records, but people forget how good Kareem was because he was in between the Magic and the Bird era. You yep. know. And Magic ended up surpassing him, but I mean, and then you got thing. Michael right after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at the same time? I mean, they played at the same time, but you know, yeah, exactly. And then you end up having, um, you end up having a Kareem who's all-time leading scorer, played with the same team six for titles, years, six titles. Even in even when he looked old, he could pull out an occasional forty and twenty games yep. in games that matter. He was never truly washed up, even when he looked like a shell of himself. Same thing with Kobe. Even when Kobe would look old, he would just go through a stretch to show you. Like one time they, they said he couldn't pass, so he just went through a stretch where he averaged like fifteen assists a game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's pretty unique. But yeah, I like that comparison of Kareem. Yeah, one thing I want to say, um and I you know, before we get to the legacy and the lasting and impression of Kobe. I do want to address the the Colorado thing that everyone wants to bring. You know, the negative people want to bring up right now. And a, I want to say, not the time. And b, I want to say that, you know, I, 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 it's hard to speak on that because none of us were there. None of us knows what happened. Um, and it, by all of Kobe Bryant's accounts, he says that he thought that that it was consensual um and without going into too many details of that for people out there who want to just be negative and 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 get the the publicity or or the clout um he was never convicted of rape yeah that's what i was gonna say the important part about that if you want to bring it up it's happened it's an incident that happened but he was never convicted i mean he was found innocent it's not like that someone just accused him and he didn't have to go through legal process. But during the legal process, they found him innocent. So if you're bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they 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 uh, settled out of court, um, you know, so sh- she'll never be able to talk about it. Uh, and, you know, again, only she and he know what happened in that in that hotel room. Um, 
But I did want to just bring that up before we got too far into it, um, because it is an unfortunate note in his footnote in his career. Um, but overwhelmingly, after that, Kobe Bryant has been a model father, a model husband. Um, you can see it in his eyes. You can see it in his smile when he talked about his daughters. Um, you know, by all accounts, Gigi was was on her way. She had verbally committed to UConn. She wanted to play for uh, Coach Gino Ariama. Um, and she wanted to be a WNBA player and carry on her father's legacy. And, and Kobe was, you know, even though he's got four girls and no boys, he was he knew that that Gianna could carry on that legacy. And, and he was just it's special. Funny, they they played a clip of Kobe talking about uh, his daughter, Gianna. And he said that one of the things that brought him joy would be he would talk to like players and people would come up to him and say that he needs to have a boy yep. to to carry on that legacy. And then she would say, "I oh, don't worry about it. I got it." Yep. <laughs> so that that tells confidence. you she had that Mamba mentality, man. <laughs> um, I kind of want to say, you know, I I I you know probably like most people born after what eighty four, eighty five. Um, you know, we obviously didn't see, well, I mean, really, if you're born in 84, 85, I mean, you didn't see Michael's entire career, right? You couldn't yeah. fully, re- you didn't see a lot of magic bird, Isaiah, right. you might've saw it, but did you fully understand what right. you were seeing? And um, for us, Kobe is the first superstar athlete that most of us saw, you know, become a superstar and watched his entire career, um, it's gonna be like just like this generation with LeBron. I mean, you follow him like when we were kids. He was he was a kid. You know what yep, I mean? Exactly. Like, he he came out of high school. You kind of grow with him. Like I remember the ball head Kobe. I remember yep. the 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 fro the baby fro Kobe. Fro-by. When he was dating when he was dating Brandy and he took Brandy to the prom yep. and you know what I mean? Like you remember you see all these levels of career. And like you said, Jordan might be our favorite player, but we didn't. You know, most of us didn't see, like, Jordan coming to the league. We didn't see the dunk contest that everyone goes crazy. Yep. Like, we see all that after, but we didn't experience at the time in that moment. Things yep. are different when you experience those things in the moment. Like, people hear about Kobe, I mean, Wilt's 100 points. I mean, you know how you felt if you're still alive when that happened. But, like, I just see it, 100 points. I don't, like, feel any type of way right. when you say that. But if you tell me Kobe's 81, like, I remember where I was at. You yep. know what I mean? I remember, like, watching the game. I remember what happened. It's different when you talk about Kobe's 81 and Wilt's 100. Yep. And, you know, for me, I thought about this last night, and I, I told my fiance just, you know, as you're trying to process the, the situation of, of where this lands on, you know, how – impactful it was on your life you know what i mean like michael jackson was a big deal his death was a big deal to me prince was a big deal to me but but kobe wow man you know what i mean it just it feels like you lost someone that you knew and, and really the the one thing about kobe's legacy is his toughness the shooting the free throws after the achilles the the playing with a separated shoulder and only shooting left-handed the fingers that he had to have fused together um you know for the second half of his career you know he does create this superman image that like this guy's indestructible yeah i think that's the hardest part about the whole situation is we see these players like lebron like kobe and like michael jordan they're humans and they play basketball but they kind of look superhuman they look like mm-hmm. superheroes like these things don't happen to them so to see someone like kobe who was almost superhuman on the court 
um, always play through things and always get it done in the crunch time to see him go out in such a tragic kind of random accident. It just doesn't seem right. And it's also like, we hadn't solved the best of Kobe yet. You know, right. I feel like that's that's kind of the hardest part. Like you said, like Michael Michael Jackson. Yeah, that was hard. But I mean, I think we kind of I, I don't want to like negate it. But he we saw like the best of Mike. Mike was kind of out of the spotlight. He was almost done, and not just career. He wasn't like really even integrating himself in society. Anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And it Same really thing. for like twenty years. Yeah, same thing with Prince. I mean, Prince. I mean, he was making music, but he wasn't like still. He was kind of doing his own thing. Like Kobe was starting to build a legacy outside of basketball. I mean, you don't know what Kobe could accomplish outside of the court. Like I said, like it's hard to see any, you know, man die. It's hard to see any man that's showing publicly, you know, spending time with his daughter, being a family man, doing the right things, helping others. Like you see that and then you see him be taken out before he can fully accomplish. Like he was so dedicated and invested into being the greatest player he could be we didn't see what could happen when he totally invested in being whatever he chose to be outside of basketball he was just really getting started just really finding his footing and you know from a guy who won an oscar right after he retired to a guy who was really creating a, 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 a an alternate universe for for children for you know the podcast the children's books i mean this guy kobe bryant was interesting and uh, for a lot of us you know and, and we'll, we you can be honest a lot of us, he came off as corny for, you know, a lot of his career to us because he wasn't that stereotypical athlete. You know what I mean? He was he spoke seven languages. He he was interested in other things. He was interested in soccer. You know what I mean? It just he was yeah. doing stuff that we weren't familiar with. And I will say this, and, and this isn't to, to slight Michael. And maybe you expect it as, as you grow older. But if 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 you know god forbid something were to happen to michael instead of kobe last night or yesterday i don't think that i it would have had the same impact it, i would have been like yo wow that's crazy you know i can't imagine the the best player of all time but kobe it like broke my heart dude like legitimately broke my heart um yeah i don't know i don't know if that was that's true um i do think that the passing of his daughter with it makes it true a lot, a lot sadder. The, yeah. the the fact that there's three kids and you know other families and that makes the whole situation a lot sadder than just a Kobe Bryant like dying. You know, yeah. so in that aspect, I would say that that elevates it to a whole nother level. But I will also say um, the fact that makes Kobe probably more endearing to everyone than he did when he was out the court is because now every time you saw him, he was with Gianna. Yep. You know what I mean? Kind of every time when he was at the games. He had her, like, by his side, like, all the time. And that showed you, know, you how much she loved it, too. Yeah, like, she loved the game. She loved him. Like, they were always, like, together. Now, that's not to say he didn't love his other children just as much. She was just in the spotlight because they had something unique in common. And he, he always, but when you see him, it's something like, if something were to happen to Curry, I think it would be kind of the same way because you always see him as a family man with his family, with his, he lets you in to his family as or LeBron too, or opposed to some of these players where you don't really know anything about, you know that they're good. Like even like if Giannis, something after Giannis would be tragic. He didn't make it to this, but you don't see inside his family. Like you see a LeBron, like you see a Curry. And when you see something happen to not only a player that you are invested in that you see, but also his family member that, people have started to become invested in also is just elevates the level of tragedy 
You know, I, I mentioned this morning um, that, you know, I, as I've said, I just feel like you knew Kobe, you grew up with Kobe. I mean, this was before social media, so, you know, you had to watch his games. You you had to get somewhere to see him. You didn't consume this through Twitter, through, you know, Instagram, House of Highlights, Bleach Report, whatever the case may be. I mean, you had to be in front of a TV to watch this dude. Um you know, I, I just hope that we can get back to that with today's stars because I feel no connection to them. You know, Kobe you know was I mean? most. Well, I was just, you know, saying, though, like LeBron and. Well, Curry. other than LeBron. But see, for some reason, I still don't feel that connection to Steph. And maybe I should. And maybe it's just, you know, I'm getting older and I, I got other shit to do. But, you know, I just you hope that that Mamba mentality starts to carry again with this generation of the guys who do the load management, the guys who maybe cheat the game, the guys who don't give it what Kobe did. And not everyone can be Kobe, but you just hope that, like, you know, for instance, let's say Kawhi retires in four years, which wouldn't shock anybody, right? Shit, he could retire in two years. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think he has a lot of Barry Sanders in him. He yeah. He like, quit. You know. Now, I kind of expect him to just quit. Right. Way. If he <laughs> they win a ring this year, he might be like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> you know, but – You'll never be able to look at a guy like Kawhi and be like, wow, man, I knew exactly where I was when I was doing, you know what I mean? You just, I don't have those memories of Kawhi as great as he is, or, you know, really Giannis, really anyone other than LeBron. Um, but I mean, that that's not really fair just because you're never going to have those unless you have polarizing players. And my formative I mean, years too, which is yeah, a big I mean, deal. Some players are just, they just go in there and get it done. Like no one's going to have like, memories of john stockton although i might think he may be one of the greatest point guards of all time but you don't have like oh man you remember that stockton you know what i mean that's fair so it's just certain players that just go about their business and they're not really polarizing they may be all on the good side they may be all on the bad side either people really like them or they really hate them but it's not like a polar like kobe is a polarizing figure like people hated him or people yep. loved him yep same way with lebron people hate them they loved him michael yep. jordan was the same way you only get a few players that are truly polarizing like right now giannis very very good player people are kind of just neutral on him yep. even Kawhi. i mean I don't, I don't know. I don't know anybody that truly hates Kawhi. I don't know anybody that, you know, there's a couple people that like Kawhi, but do they truly love Kawhi? Like, I don't I don't see that same type of polarizing figure in those type of players. Now, Curry, Curry's a polarizing figure. You have people that really hate him, really love him. Durant, mm-hmm. same way. Really hate him or they really love him. Westbrook, Harden, those players are polarizing. So it's a little different from them, but I can't blame players for just because that's Kawhi's personality, you know what I mean? And, you know, and I, I do love, you know, that's one, that's one thing Kobe said. He goes, no one hates the, the good ones. They hate the great yeah, ones. Yeah. Um, and if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about Kobe, I don't know what else does. But let me ask you something, man. Like, what's your Kobe Bryant moment that you, like, remember that you, that you like, and you probably have a few because I do. You know, it's hard to pick one. But, like, what's your Kobe Bryant, like, yo, this dude is incredible. What, what's that moment for you? It was definitely the season where uh, the 81 season, but it was like not one moment. It was like, I feel like this happened in a week. My time could be off, but I feel like that 63 point game against Dallas and the 81 point game against Toronto all happened in like the same week. And if it wasn't the same, it was close. It was close. It was like (laughs) a week period, a two week period. And I remember um, my cousin was a big fan of Kobe and a big fan of Lakers. I hated the Lakers. I didn't like Kobe, you know, because I hated the Lakers. Uh, 
And so we would always argue about like Dwayne Wade and stuff like that. And then Kobe drops like 63 on Dallas and goes at halftime. And I'm like, shit, that dude was killing that day. Then the next, like a couple of days later, he drops 81. And then you're like, I'm a stat geek, so I'm looking. And the dude like hits 81 and shoots like 50% or 60% from the field. And this isn't just a random game when he dropped 81. Like they were down by like, 18 points or something. Yep. And he just took the team on his back and pretty much beat the Toronto Raptors by himself. And at that point, I remember texting my cousin and being like, listen, I still don't like the dude, but I really can't hate on him anymore. Bad dude. like <laughs> Man, and and it's crazy. You even think about his last game. You go back and watch it. Sure, he took 50 shots to get 60 points, but his last game, who cares? You know? I mean, 60 points for his last game is just – who yeah. else is doing that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if some people will say, you know, the team wasn't playing and they wanted him to get sixty, so what? Who cares? So what? I mean, it's who? I mean, it's the greatest way to like play your last game. I mean, if that's what you're doing for a player like Kobe, then fuck it. I mean, he earned all his other points. Let him get sixty. Yep. Shit, I wish they would have let him hit a hundred. <laughs> yep. You know, and it's crazy, man, because I think about the dunks, the behind the back against the Nets. I think about the 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 dunk on the Knicks. I think about the dunk on the the Timberwolves with Latrell Sprewell, the under the you know the baseline under the goal. You know, I think about his battles with with the the Nuggets. I think about his battles with the Celtics. Um, but I remember. I would say that's probably one of the most underrated. Like at this point in time in life, and how we remember Kobe. One of the most underrated things about Kobe is his dunks. The way that he used to dunk when he was number eight. Like, people take that for granted now, but how easily he went to the rim and dunked the ball and the type of dunks that he would do in traffic on people, like, just kind of, what do you you call it, just in the moment or just, Mm -hmm. like, you know he's not thinking about it. He's just adjusting. The way people adjust and do, like, under the rim layups, he did dunks like that. And that's and one of the more underrated things about his game to me. Truly. And, and you know, we're so far removed from number eight. You know, it's been 15 years since he wore eight. And yeah. I, and you and I have said it on this podcast, for those young people out there, and, you know, now that you should be able to watch whatever you want on YouTube as far as yeah. Kobe goes, please, please, I beg you to go watch number eight. If you want to see how <laughs> raw and athletic number eight was, when he, when he became Froby, good yeah. God, man. I mean, Just the guy was incredible. The fierce competitiveness that he attacks the rim, and that's the one thing that I really hate about today's NBA is the way that the only person I see attack the rim like that is Giannis. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I don't see a lot of players that really attack the rim with the ferocity that a Kobe Bryant and players in like the 90s or like Jordan used to attack the rim and dunk. And this is the era where people should – do that yep because you can get to the basket easier yeah because you can get to the basket easier but i I think people are so concentrated on trying to draw the fouls is that you don't see that and i guess people are trying to get out of the way because you can't touch me either the good the unique thing about the 90s and you know is that people didn't have to get out the way because that wasn't always going to be a foul right you get a you get a ton of contested dunks in like the 90s and the early 2000s you get those contested dunks because you had you couldn't go up soft you weren't going to get the foul just because you went to the rim. You had to go to the rim hard and finish. And I don't see that. And that's the, like I said, that's one of the most underrated things, I believe. Like, you got Jordan, one of the most underrated things. Early in his career, we didn't see him, but how he used to handle the ball. And that's the same thing with Kobe. Early in his career, is very underrated how he used to attack the rim and dunk the ball. 
One thing I want to say about Kobe, and I think that maybe I had taken for granted, um, was how much he impacted this generation of, of NBA players. Yeah. Because... Just like behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, and I, I will say, you know, say what you want about Michael. He is the greatest of all time, but I mean, it's documented. He did not forward the game as far as the next generation goes. Didn't really work out with the next generation. I mean, Kobe was happy to do that with both WNBA and NBA players. Um and he truly cared about the game of basketball. That's not to say Michael didn't. I just mean on this level. Um, I mean, you really did. I mean, he, he was this generation's Michael Jordan. Um, and you, you you forget that. It's so easy to forget how incredible Kobe Bryant was to so many people for so long that, you know, it, it sucks that you, you have to do the reflecting in this manner. But um, it's not a, lot of, a whole lot else to say, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, you had Kyrie Irving that couldn't play yesterday because he was devastated. They were super close. Um, Jason Tatum, I believe that's part of the reason why he set out yesterday. Trey Young, those, yeah, Trey Young, he played, but I think Jason Tatum and Kyrie were the people that worked out with him the most consistently, and they really had that bomba mentality and trained with him. Um, but you had a bunch of other players that was connected to LA, like DeRozan, and you had people visibly crying. Kawhi, Kawhi, like there's. He impacted a lot of NBA. He did it quietly, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But that's what I said. That's what I said. Like, the the saddest part about this thing, besides, you know, the stuff we spoke about with the kids, is that we didn't see what Kobe was growing into. Like, what, what you know, we don't know what Kobe was going to turn into. Kobe could have very well became a coach in this league, player development. He could have owned part. Of, like, we don't know what his legacy would have been because he was just kind of slowly, gradually taking his time and finding himself. And we all know that once he dedicated to him, dedicated himself to something, you know, he was very, very passionate and he gave his all in it. Like his, his thing could have been um, launching the WNBA off the ground. You know what I mean? He could have been very impactful in that. And we don't, we just don't know. And that's the saddest part about it is we don't know what direction he was going to go outside of his career. All we have is Kobe when we didn't know him for 18 years, 20 years of him in the NBA and about what, three, four years of him outside of the NBA. He hadn't even really found his footing in what did he wanted to do outside of the NBA yet. And that's what, and that's what's so shocking, man. I mean, you think about it, 41 years old, um, you know, that's not old. I mean, you know, to, to young cats out there, it probably is. But you think about, I mean, you still got another 40, you know, at least 40 years, you'd think of, of I mean, hell, Bill Russell's damn near 90. Yeah, you I mean, know. somebody with that type of money to take care, that takes care of his body the way he takes care of his body. Like, we don't never know what could have happened. But, I mean, it's feasible that he could have lived to 80. Or, you know what I mean? Yep. We don't know because, I mean, he, he was very healthy, took care of his body. You know, that was part of the reason, like I said, he – he flew in the helicopter as to keep down the wear and tear of his body, you know. So, you know, um, we're going to get to to some NBA stuff here soon as far as, you know, current NBA. But um, this one hurts, man. It, it really does. Um, you know, again, I, I, I think about, I, you know, I, it, it's the highlights going through my head. It's the way. I felt watching him celebrate. It's the way I felt when I first saw him in the dunk contest in 1997. It, I mean, there's just, I it, I haven't, I haven't hooped in another pair of shoes besides Kobe since 2008 when he wore, I think it was the fives when he, he signed with Nike. Like I have not hooped in another pair of shoes other than Kobe's. Um, 
and, and I, I tend to forget how much, I mean, I loved Kobe Bryant <laughs> growing up. I just did. All, all the messages and emails I got yesterday, people checking in on me. I mean, it, it, I, I can't express enough how devastating something like this is for me. Um, and, and a lot of people like me out there, um, you know. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of Kobe has that huge hive type of fan base, and he he already always had. There was the people that didn't like him, and the people that loved him unconditionally, yep. no matter what happened. And he always was a very very polarizing figure. But as I said, when he retired, I think he converted over a lot of people that didn't like him during his career, and they just understood that he was a bad man and he was a competitor. Um, and hopefully, against you, you know. <laughs> hopefully now, you know, LeBron stands, Kobe stands, and Michael stands can all be one. Um, and just agreeing that, you know, one, yeah, one of the I saw greatest. Something that said that uh, let's stop debating and just start appreciating each player for their talent instead of you know debating how good and uh, against error. Just appreciate the players why you have them. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's sad, man, because. Of, you know everyone dies but this is just you you just never think that someone like Kobe Bryant I mean it just to say that still just does not feel real it doesn't feel right you know <laughs> so you know this is pretty unprecedented um there, there's been nothing in the sports world like this uh I, I at least I can think of people say Pele but that was in the 70s you know so I don't really rem- I obviously don't remember that but um I think the closest and he wasn't as popular but like dramatic would be uh and I, I never can't pronounce his name right new jersey Draza petrovich Draza petrovich but he yeah. wasn't as popular as kobe but it was just as shocking because he was still an active player so that would be the closest thing and you've had stuff of. like that before you had malik seeley in minnesota um but yeah it's just it's this one man just because like you said every everyone grew up when they threw, when they balled up that that piece of paper and threw it in a trash can in school, at home, whether you were by yourself, wherever you were, there's not a, a, a whether you were out on the court and you were counting down three, two, one. It, whether you're a basketball fan or not, everyone knew Kobe. Yeah, I was about to say I would challenge anyone to say that they ever threw something at a goal or a trash can, anything, and didn't yell out Kobe yeah. at least a couple times in there. Yeah, life. you had to. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, from from them ugly ass moon boot shoes that he came <laughs> out with to to you know the whole Black Mamba collection that I'm a fan of. Um, Just the whole naming himself Black Mamba. Yeah, and that, that's what's going. You know, like I said, Kobe was a weird dude. He was strange. Yeah. Um, and like that, it, it sounds good and it rolls off the tongue now, but when he first came up with that, everybody, everybody was like, "What, uh, Black Mamba? That's kind of weird. You can't you can't name yourself." <laughs> and like I said, every and this will get lost in, in celebrating Kobe today, and I'm glad it will. But it will you know, as you reflect, if if you truly grew up with Kobe as an NBA fan, you remember like, "Yo, this dude's corny." But uh, <laughs> um, but some of the things that made him corny when we were younger is the things that made him such a great man off the court. Because I mean. It's, it's very unique that he had that incident in Colorado because he just didn't do anything off the court. Like, he was all about basketball training, going to the gym, coming home, know, going with his family. If you read if you read Phil Jackson's book and you read all the accounts of that, um, I think the one thing that – and here's what I believe is that – and here's what I know. Kobe Bryant loved Vanessa from the second he saw her, and, and they have been together since they were teenagers – through his parents not wanting that to be the case because she wasn't black because he was young with money and whatever they thought about her 
um, he loved her. And the reason that that whole entire situation in Colorado even came up was because Kobe was trying to be something he wasn't. Yeah. You know, he was trying to be that NBA player that, you know, just something that he wasn't. And he admitted that. And if you would have told me after this that Kobe never cheated on his wife again, I would actually believe it. Because that's all that dude wanted to be. Like, he was in love with his wife. And all he wanted to be was a dad. And he showed that after that um, forever. Um, what he buy, like, these days, it was all kinds of rumors. A $3 million dollar ring. The $3 million ring. Said he bought a car that was all diamonds or something. Yep. <laughs> all crazy stuff. I mean, but he loved that woman. And, you know, it's just sad to see, man. Um, you know. <laughs> rest in peace to Kobe and all the families that were involved in that helicopter tragedy. Um, praying for the families. Just hope that, uh, you know, everyone finds a way to get through this and we can celebrate. I hope that the other families, their tragedy doesn't get lost in the legacy of Kobe. That's the one thing I think about when I keep hearing all the news stuff is, yeah, Kobe's great and they lost their daughter. But can you imagine that your parents and sister or you know your sister or family member died in that crash and you turn it on all the outlets and all you're hearing about is kobe 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 yeah kobe's great too but let's not get lost in that seven other people lost their lives and there's at those least other families two, lost other their kobe bryant too you know that are you know going through that time too so i just hope people are conscious of that when they're on the news and talking yep i agree um and let's do, let's do a few minutes on on what's going around the league. But first, you know, you want to touch on that knackers, or you want to just leave it leave it be? I'd rather leave it be, man. I mean, I it, it's I can see it that it sounded like she said knickers, but it also sounded like she said niggers. Um, well, I mean, I was I see this is the thing with me when when I first heard it, you know, obviously I'm mad. I'm like, no way, right? Then I listened to it again. I said, I could see it. The problem is they released a statement and said she was trying to say knackers. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just very inconsistent. Now, if they would have said she was she was thinking of the Knicks and she tried to change it to the Lakers and ended up saying knickers, then they would have had a case. I don't know who the PR was that let her say that she was trying to say N-A-K-E-R-S. Yeah. Because that's way off of whatever it was trying to go. Now, if she would have said, I accidentally said, you know, Knickers because I was trying to change Knicks, Lakers, that would make sense. Because if you really listen, it sounds like, you know, she could have said it and got caught in her words. But that Knackers thing just kills all all of it for me. You know, I can... That's I can I I'll forget this and you know by the end of the day the one thing that I can't forget is the BBC talking about Kobe Bryant and showing pictures of, of LeBron James and, and highlights of LeBron James that's let me tell you something just a lot of bad journalism all around yesterday and they're it, trying to get it as fast as possible and we don't care about being right and that that is the the dangerous culture of social media and twenty four seven news media because. Again, as we started out, first, it was Kobe's whole family. Second, it was Rick Fox was on the plane. You know what I mean? It's just, guys, is it that serious? I mean, I mean, it's a microwave society. Everyone wants to be first. Everyone, they don't care about being right. Let's get it out. Let's get it out there. Let me be the first. If it is right, I'm the first to say it. If not, then, I mean, it'll just be forgotten about anyway. People mm-hmm. are just dangerously reporting things without having any confirmation or information. I mean, just think if you knew who was on that plane and then you're hearing five people died. Now for hours you have hope because they didn't even change that and report it to nine until what? It was like four or five hours Mm -hmm. after that it was announced. So for 
four or five hours, you're thinking, hey, maybe my family members survived because they're only saying five people. Right. There were nine people on the plane. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, it's, it's, people and need it, to take their time. For people, anyone out there who, if, you know, there was rumors that there was a video of the crash out there and sharing that, like, come on, people, have some humanity. Like, legitimately, just imagine if that was your family. You know what I mean? Like, don't, there's just certain things that I, I know we're in a crazy society where people just don't give a fuck and you're behind this anonymous wall that is the internet. But come on, man. Like, just, just fucking be better. So, Kobe, rest in peace, man. You know, you, Gianna, the, everyone else that's affected by this, um, we love you, man. This, this, it's tough, but, um, you know, you, you got to do what you can to move on. Um, and, you know, that's what we'll do. So, uh, as, as in the coming days, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to play the Lakers-Clippers game game tomorrow. Um, that's just the thought of that. The thought of basketball being played in L.A. is just different to me right now. Um, it's tough, tough to think about. But um, let's, get, let's get to the NBA, man. Let's get to, to some current things. Uh, Zion Williamson made his debut last week. Um, he's as advertised. Uh, um, I think if he can stay healthy, he is going to be incredible. Uh, the one thing I took away away from the Zion debut, um, his last three games, is the fact that they don't know where to put him on the court. Oh, yeah. That's evident. They, they have no idea what they have, how to use him, where they want to put him. They don't know if they want to put him at center, power forward, small forward. I mean, he's he has a unique set of skills where he can kind of do all three. He can handle the ball. He's got. He's a better passer than I thought he was. Yeah, he's a very good passer. He's big. He's strong. And they just have no clue where to use him. And he's really, really messing up their rotation. Because the thing that you want to see is that you want to see Zion come and help the Pelicans make that push to get into the playoffs. Because they're right on the cusp of making the playoffs. Because the bottom of the half, the bottom half of the West is terrible. Oh, they stink. Say it. yep. it's, it's awful. And anybody can get in like everybody got a shot i don't care if they're the 12 seed the 14 seed like almost everybody has a shot down there to get in and you would like to see zion be the one to pick them up and lead them lead the way the problem is even though they won i think they won two of the three games last week Mm, no they're one and two they beat san antonio they didn't win last night i don't No, they won did they beat no they lost san antonio oh okay Okay. yeah so So, they lost um, they won for the first time last night i got you so you just want to see them have some consistency. And I just don't know that Alvin Gentry is the coach to because he just the rotations are all crazy. Now you had Brandon Ingram that was playing lights out. Now he looks kind of lost in the offense and what's going on. You had Derek Favors, which was the anchor. But now you don't know if you want to play him with Derek Favors or uh, on the bench. They need to find if you're going to start him, you got to find a position The obvious if you want to play Zion at the four and put Brandon Ingram at the three, that's fine. It's not that rotation that's killing him. It's the three- and four-minute stretches where you're trying to get him in and take him out, and nobody's getting any rhythm to play with him, and he's <coughs> not getting any rhythm playing with the team. I know it's hard in the NBA to have practices and things like that, but it's just messing up their their rhythm, 
and they don't have that much room. Like, you know what I mean? They don't have a ton of wiggle room at all. Yeah, they don't have that much wiggle room to really throw off the rotations like that. So I think you either need to say, I'm going to stick with Zion and give them these minutes and play them for longer stretches. Even if you have to play them for eight-minute stretches and then don't play them and then play them in the fourth quarter for eight-minute stretches, something like that. And that's what they started to do last night. They they played them in six-minute stretches, and then they closed they the, for the first time in the three games, they actually closed the game out with Zion coming in at about, the I think, like the four-minute mark or something like that. Um, I mean, and he came out and he had 21 and 11. So yeah. um, he's going to be a force. I, I, I don't know, you know, exactly what the Pelicans uh, go on to do from here. But they have a good team with some good young mm-hmm. talent. Like, like this is they have the they have the tools to be a dynasty. Because if you just look at the players, Alonzo Ball, uh, um, um, I just. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Eagle, Zion Williams, Josh Hart, Jackson playing Hayes, well. Josh Jackson Hart, Hayes, yep. You know, Frank Jackson. Uh, they have assets. Nico Melli, who yeah, they has have been, a bunch of yep. assets. They have a bunch of draft picks, young talent. Oh, this is a perfect team around the trade dot deadline to make a splash. A shooter like J.J. Redick, who contenders will be wanting. You know what I mean? A Drew Holiday, who you don't know if you can keep him, but you're okay. You could probably lose Drew right now. You know what I'm saying? To get some of that younger talent because they played well when Drew wasn't there. They have a lot of assets. I'm curious to see if there are buyers or sellers. And Griffin is a very, very good GM. So I'm very interested to see what they do around the trade deadline because they should be a target to go get somebody. You know, you bring up David Griffin. One thing that I will say for sure is I think they fire Alvin Gentry after this year. Um well, and so his com- he he came on the uh, the Adrian Wojnarowski podcast right after the game, and it, you know I, I this may have gotten lost in all the Zion um, hype, but basically what he said was if we had played any defense, we would have won that game, um, and and it was just a, a, an offhand comment, but you know when a GM is saying that, you can see that the writing's on the wall that you know it, whether or not Alvin Gentry's a good coach, great coach. Well, he ain't great. A good, a good coach, he's bad coach. He's never been a good defensive coach. He's like in the, he's the NFL version of a great offensive coordinator that doesn't play defense. Now, with that said, I, I would say that the the New Orleans Pelicans coaching staff has done really well overall because Brandon Ingram's game has gone to the next level. Lonzo Ball's game has gone to the next level. Um, you know, just just all around teaching these guys how to shoot, um, how to how to be professionals and you see that getting away from that LA spotlight it's not for everybody that boy Kyle Kuzma is over there losing his damn mind right now oh my lord too much freedom <laughs> man too much freedom you know and so you, but you have seen when these young guys get away from LA D'Angelo Russell you know when they leave LA they they go on to have really good careers and the Lakers surprisingly have drafted very well over the last 10 years I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's LA I think it's the the staff on LA they don't have good developmental they haven't had good developmental coaches that can sit and develop players in my opinion and that's what you see in New Orleans is their staff is taking the time to develop these players game fix their shooting like Zion he wasn't just chilling out for six months doing nothing you can see that he I I still don't like the way it looks 
No, it's a straight line fastball, but it has better rotation on it. His form looks a lot better. Um, making sure your feet is straight. Whoever the shooting coach is on New Orleans, people need to pay attention because that's usually one of the bigger things that makes you a good team. If you can take talent in there and fix their shot, that's one of the more underrated things about San Antonio Spurs is they have one of the all-time elite shooting coaches on their staff. Yep. Still can't really fix DeJounte Murray's shot, but I mean, they're working on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's um, one thing about Zion that I noticed from watching his first game, his second jump is unlike anything I've ever seen before. He he went to the hole against Jakob Pertl, got his shot blocked, and it was like... If he, You're if talking he got, about the same play I saw. It, it's like if he was moving faster than your eyes could see where it, he shot it and then was on the other side of the goal yes. rebound and put it back before you could even see him. It was like... I, I, the, the thing that immediately came to mind was that thing from X-Men, like the teleporting <laughs> dude, Nightcrawler. Yeah. How he just, and it was so fast that I was like... I, what happened? And it was incredible, dude. I mean, yeah, hey, we saw the same thing when he he went up on the left side. It, I don't know if it was blocked or whatever, but he was on the other side of the goal to rebound it and put it in before it looked like Porto even landed. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I I don't know how he got over there. Legitimately, I mean, it was it was incredible to watch. <laughs> um, you I, know, I'm, he, I'm gonna love seeing this team. Like I love Derek Favors, but. In the future, if that team is Lonzo running the fast break with Jackson Hayes and Zion on the sides, or picking rolls with Brandon Ingram and Zion or Jackson Hayes, man, and, that's gonna um, be a dirty team, man. That's gonna and, be a dirty team. And you, you just put um, Nikhil Alexander Walker to learn behind Drew Holiday coming out of college. He was one of the elite defenders in college. His game is perfect to model what Drew Holiday has been throughout his career. And he's probably a better shooter early on in his career. Like this team in the next two to three years, if you have the right coaching, because I trust that's the exactly what Gary gonna say. Uh, you gotta have you the right need. coach in there. Yeah, gotta have they, the right coach in there. They get the right coaches in there to kind of develop, and because they have the length, they have all the size, and they have the willingness. Because that team tries to play defense. I just don't know if the defensive scheme is good. Yep, and I, I'm with you. Like I, th- I think one of those coach coach bud like not that he's going there from milwaukee but that's what they're gonna have to do down there in new orleans is is get a guy who i mean you look at what the memphis grizzlies are doing with taylor jenkins and and basically their philosophy now is okay this is our core we're going to develop this core and and this is what we're working on that we've got a coach in here that's going to be here there's no pressure to win and you know unfortunately the pelicans are going to be in the spotlight but it's not like they're the Lakers. It's not like they're, you know, Zion's LeBron. We're not expecting these guys to win a title in 2021, 2022. So if that's they just. the best position to be in, to be exactly. in the spotlight with no pressure. Because they're exactly. in the spotlight, but nobody has pressure. They just want you to be exciting. So if yep. you start winning games, like like you said, watching Memphis. Like people are spotlighting them because they have job Morant there. And they're yep. kind of winning games. Yep. But there's no pressure. If they lose, everybody's not saying, oh, my God, they failed. Yep. Like. They just want to see fun, competitive games as of right now. And you think but, of a young OKC, a young Golden State, those teams that are like, oh, shit, you know, here they come. Um, you know, that's kind of the trajectory that you're, again, like you said, no, no one expected the Warriors to win a title just to be a fun team. All the pressure was on the Clippers. All yeah. the pressure it was on the Heat, um, you know, or whatever LeBron was doing. And, and the same thing, you know, with those Thunder teams, it was the Heat that or the Lakers that were supposed to be the, the title contenders and here comes uh or the spurs and, and all of a sudden here comes this okc team you're like oh shit these oh. dudes are gonna win some titles you know so 
But I mean, I think I think what New Orleans is gonna have to do, and I think it's gonna be a new trend. Like I said, we're seeing it. These G League coaches, man, I think they need to go get one of these G League coaches because they're very good at switching lineups, changing, you know, on the move. You know what I mean? They're they're very flexible. They're very good. They're they're getting down to the basics of basketball and playing good basketball. They're developing talent because you want to develop talent because kind of how you get your, that's how you keep your job in the G League. Your yep. job in the G League is not necessarily to win games, but to develop the talent in the system that we have to send those players back up. And you you see it. All these players that all these coaches that have G League experience, they're I mean they're good. They're really. You look good. at Nick Nurse in Toronto. I mean and. You know, with or without Kawhi, both this year and last year, I mean, everyone thought it was kind of crazy to, you know, promote him to that job, especially after Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year. But Nick Nurse has been phenomenal. I mean, no short of the word phenomenal, this dude can coach his ass and, off. And he's been dealing with injuries all year. All That's season. talking about the flexibility. Kyle Larry, Van Fleet, Siakam. Siakam. These players yep. have been getting hurt all year, and he just plug and play because they're used to losing their best players. They're used to getting their best player back and not missing a beat. And that's the that's the new NBA in my eyes. With this low management, people going out, you got to be able to develop young talent. you got to be able to draft and find some undrafted talent or second-round talent and develop those players. That's why the Warriors are good. That's why Toronto's still good without Kawhi. And the teams that you see that are good but continually fail, they're not good at developing talent. Like Portland Trailblazers. They haven't developed anybody. I mean, arguably nope. CJ, but CJ was already good. Come on. Yep. They didn't develop him. They set him for one year because he was coming off an injury. They yep. haven't developed him. You know what I mean? Like uh, teams that are Dave. not good at developing talent, you see it. And so let's go to the Sixers real quick because uh the six, did you say the Sixers, or did I imagine you that? Nah, but that's a good topic of developing uh, talent. Yeah, because I <laughs> sorry, I thought you mentioned the Sixers after that, but uh, that's probably the first thing that came to your mind when I said yeah. developing talent. <laughs> because you see how much, how many guys have walked in now that door. Um, but whatever the fuck is going on in Philadelphia, you and I talked about this last week, and it's evident. Well, that didn't get broadcast. So don't it, yeah, we, just so y'all know, we actually did have a podcast last week. Uh, I was traveling, so something happened, technical difficulties. Same story, different day. Um, but uh, I, I've noticed, and you and I, I thought we're going to have a different opinion on this. The Sixers got to trade somebody. And it's either <laughs> got to be Ben or it's got to be Joel. And if I'm trading somebody, if I'm Philadelphia, I'm trading Joel. Because yeah, the Sixers look incredible with Ben Simmons. Yeah, man. I mean, Joel fits. Joel... You know, he's a unique talent. I understand you don't get big big men with that type of versatility in the NBA. But, I mean, truthfully, who's winning with that type of player? Like, I, I can't name a team that's won with a true great big man Not since, since Shaq. Olajuwon. Okay, Shaq. But yeah. he had Kobe. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's arguably one of the best guards ever. You know what I mean? I mean, I yeah. guess you could argue the same thing with Ben that you just figured out. Maybe they'll click at some point in time. But, man, they just look so much better no. with Ben Simmons and not Joel Embiid. See, and you can't click with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons because their game is so... Uniquely different. Yeah, and if so if you have them on the floor, Joel Embiid needs to be with shooters. Yes. Ben Simmons needs to be with shooters. Um, yep. You know, and, and you, I would rather have my guard probing and prodding, especially with how good he is and how smart he is defensively, and how, you can't take him off the floor. 
So you have to put a team around him that can shoot and that can be ready for. I mean, it. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and the, the thing is, is Joel. I mean, I guess they tried to tailor his game to fit Ben Simmons because last year he was shooting a ton more three-pointers, playing at the top of the key a lot more. Then I guess they brought Al Horford in to play kind of like a high-low game where he can do that. But, I mean, I just just don't know, man. I just think that, I mean, if you're looking, they're just a lot faster. They're a lot better, even with the talent. Because when, when Joel's out there, like those shooters that you see don't look as good. Like what's Correct. his name for for Quaz or whatever? Yep. Uh, he doesn't look as efficient. Josh Richardson, like they kind of get stuck trying to get the ball to um, Joel and B, and it slows them down. It slows the game down a lot. They really want to feed him. Brett Brown is doing that same thing that um, uh, what's your boy that's at the Wizards now? Um, oh, Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks used to do with Kevin Durant, like just actively slow down the offense to get it to. Get it to KD. Didn't t- teach him like really the fundamentals. Just throw it to him outside the key and let him go one on one, and it really breaks the flow of the offense. But without him, you don't need to call plays for Ben Simmons. Just give him the ball, and yep. he's gonna run the offense. He's gonna play fast, and then he can do those same type of post moves. We forget he's damn near seven foot. If he's not yep. seven foot, yep. he can he can be a center. He can play every position. He literally can play every position on the floor and can defend every position on the floor for the most part. I mean, yeah. are you gonna I mean, put him against someone like Embiid? No, but there's not many guys that are like Embiid. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the, the one that's guarding Giannis. You know what I mean? I mean, they would be a lot better off because he's just as good as Giannis. You know what I mean? He's he's just as good as Giannis. He if you can build around him and just open the court, and that's the biggest thing is that when you have players like that, Joel Embiid packs the lane, and it doesn't 1, give him the same freedom. So when like you said, when you have them both there, like he can't shoot outside, so you have them both in the paint, and it makes them a lot easier to defend because now if you put him down there to play a high low game, then you can just pack the paint. Everything's Which, packing the paint. Really shows you even more why Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and and uh, Joel Embiid didn't work. Um, you know yeah. that again, you're trying to fit too many pegs. Ben Simmons is the ultimate wild card, right? Like he either is exactly what you need for the right offense, or he could be the worst thing for your offense. Now the problem with Philadelphia is that I feel like the city of Philadelphia, the fans of Philadelphia, they are going to choose Joel. You know yeah, that's their guy. More electrifying. You know, that's their guy, whatever. And he was the part of the process, you know. Um, but from a basketball standpoint, if you really look at it objectively, and you and I aren't fans of the Sixers, um, you know, I like the players individually, but I don't care about the Sixers. But you got to move Joel. You have to for from the most part. And, but then, then again, what are you getting back from him? And where does he go? Who can pay him? Who can take him? Well, I, I, I threw out there last week when we were talking – Man, if I'm OKC, I'm on the phone. I'm putting the offer on the table. I kept thinking about that. It makes sense. I give you Stephen Adams, Gallinari, and then another one of those young players. You know, and Ferguson. one of them 19 draft picks they got. Yeah, you give them uh, Stephen Adams, Gallinari, one of those two guards that they got that's super athletic that can shoot in Ferguson, Diallo, or whatever. And then a couple of draft, a couple of first round picks. I mean, they could give them first pick round picks this year and next year. You know what I mean? And send that over for Joel Embiid. They can absorb absorb that contract. I mean, I know Philly's going to say no, but I mean, it probably helps them and makes them take a leap because you get Stephen Adams, who's tough. 
He can set those screens um, for Ben Simmons and help him get to the rim. He doesn't just sit in the paint, but he because he can play outside of the paint. He's you don't have to call any plays for him. Don't have to call any plays. He's going to rebound. He's going to get buckets. Uh, you got Gallinari provides that outside shooting that you're looking for. You know what I mean? That go a second go-to score that can score without the ball being directly in his hand. He can spot up, or if you take Ben out, he can you know be that go-to score down low. You know what I mean? And then you get the draft picks for the future. That's probably the best deal you're gonna get because if you go to a team like Atlanta, they're only offering like Chandler Parsons contract and some draft picks, but you can get actual talent and draft picks from OKC. But they're not gonna do it just because people don't trade superstars in their prom. People are not willing to make that decision that you need, and they don't look like they're like actively not getting along. That's the only reason you do something like that, right? And, but at the end of the day, I'm interested. I'm going to keep an eye on what the Philadelphia 76ers do in the off season because some something's got to happen. Something has they to change. Signed, I, I don't know if they're not thinking that hey, it, at some point we're going to have to get rid of somebody and signing Al Horford to a four year deal. That I told felt you that, like Joel that, Embiid insurance. <laughs> that I mean, that was bad at the time, but I mean, he's the exact player that fits with Ben Simmons. But if let's say they trade Ben Ben Simmons, a, a play, where are some places that you would like to see him go? Like I, I know the the team that keeps coming to mind for me for Ben Simmons is if you were to put him in Phoenix, um, I mean, they would be a, a real problem because you can surround him with guys that they have nothing to give for him though. Well, yeah, I'm 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 not saying Trash, you know no. th- there's nothing that they could offer for him, but if you put him in a team like like that, um, that's a that's a lethal team, and I, you know as as you kind of bounce around the league, there aren't a lot of trade pieces out there. What if, what if you send Joel and B to Phoenix and you could get DeAndre Ayton, who likes to play the four, and has been a lot better at power forward, has that jump shot, and he can shoot. That's what I was going to say. He can shoot that jump yep. shot to spread out the lane. If you can get Aiton, say Dario Sark, and maybe Kelly Oubre or one of those guards. I mean, you go for Kelly Oubre, but what if they give you Mikael Bridges, who was originally drafted by the Sixers and traded? What if you can get those three long guards? I just I love the idea of of Aiton, Booker, and uh, Ben Simmons together, and and, and a, a guy like Kelly Oubre. I mean that that's why I said Phoenix. I mean that is just a that's that's a dirty team. I don't want him to go there because they can never get great coaching. I mean, I, I, I like Monty doing what he's in. I'm with you. You might destroy his whole career sitting on the Phoenix, man. I just mean for a basketball fit. I don't know, though, because Monty did well with, with Chris Paul. I mean, it's not like there's no precedent of him, you know, uh, 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 that we've seen where he can't coach point guards because he coached Chris Paul. So so let's, let's go to another franchise that should be better. What's wrong with Phoenix? I mean, we know that Monty can coach. What's the problem with Phoenix? They have talent. They have Rubio. They have Devin Booker. Aiton's back. I mean, they they play hard. They yeah, just but don't win. You know, it, it takes a second because at the end of the day, this is still a young team. Um, even though Booker has been in the league forever now, and Rubio's been in the league forever now, but DeAndre Aiton missed twenty five games. You know, and and as as, as much as people want to just be able to plug guys right back in, I think that I mean, at the end of the day, the the same thing is why I'm dubious. Or, or I, I'm not sure that New Orleans is going to make the playoffs because 
putting someone that's that impactful to your team, just plugging that back in doesn't happen. You got to get used to playing with this dude. This is why I don't believe in the Clippers long term. These dudes have only played 46 minutes together or something crazy like that. Like well, you already you, got some dissension there with Harrell and some people starting to link and say stuff about them getting preferent. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard getting yep. preferential treatment. I mean, you yep. got to remember they were added to a team that played hard, played like a team and got to the AC without those dudes. Yep. And you and you got dogs in that locker room like a like Pat Bev like you know what I mean guys who who ha- had to work and claw to get everywhere that they are right now. That's not to say that Kawhi and Paul George didn't because they did, but you know the the problem with the Clippers. I mean, like I said, and for me, you're disrespecting the game of basketball because if Kawhi's hurt, that's one thing. But this every other game stuff, you know, I don't care about the analytics. I don't care about the low management. At some point, you're cheating the game. And if anybody thinks that they're going to just come in during playoff time and, and they're going to cruise to a title, I don't see it happening. It's a, it, it would be legitimately unprecedented well, he, because he you have to learn to play with each other. Year. Yeah, but that's one dude you had to integrate back into a team, you know what I mean, that bought in. The Clippers aren't fucking happy. <laughs> so, yeah, the thing it, it's unique because the Toronto Raptors had had a unique history of failure and most of the guys that were there had experienced that failure for like four years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of just not being able to get over the hump. Even though you added a, a C, I'm not Siakama, um, Serge Ibaka, he had went through that with OKC. You had a Mark Gasol, he had went through that with Memphis. So you had a unique case of people that just wanted to win because they hadn't got over the hump before. Well, this and also, this team is still relatively young. Think about think about the egos that were involved are involved in LA versus the ones that are involved in Toronto, right? Like Nick Nurse had no ego, Masai Ujiri really had no ego. But now you're talking about Doc Rivers, you're talking about Jerry West, you're talking about Lawrence Frank, you're talking about Kawhi Leonard, you're talking about Paul George, you're talking about you know a lot of a lot of crazy shit is on that bench right now, <laughs> yeah, or in that in that place right now. Um, even even their uh, their coaching staff, you got Sam Cassell, you got you got a lot of dudes that have gravitas and have won shit in the league that, you know, there's just a lot happening. That, a lot that, of testosterone in that locker Yeah, room. you know what I mean? You think Doc Rivers is just like, oh, yeah, these guys come in and do whatever they want? I'm sure not. But he knows that this is the best chance to get another title. You think Jerry West is like, you know, who knows? You know, the, Jerry West is, is is the dynasty maker. I mean, this dude, there's a lot going on in L.A., right? And, and not to mention the fact that it's also L.A., so you know it's not like it's toronto that's off the map no one for no one you know even thinks about them um but yeah you asked me about phoenix there's a lot of teams like phoenix it's just you know again when you when you miss your main guy or key piece to your organization for 25 games in a row um it's just hard to build that continuity and you see that to win a title to be good you have to play together i mean it's the same way if you and i go hoop on a saturday morning it's like okay there's a team that's been running the, the court for two hours is because after they got hot, shit, now they, they learn to play with each other. They got those reps. They got that continuity. All right, man. So what do you think about the Jazz? I mean, we were really hard on them earlier. I think they're on some type of streak where they're like 17 or 19. or They got themselves tied for the second best record in the West. They appear to be playing a lot better without Mike Conley. Hell, the Memphis Grizzlies seem to be playing a lot better without Mike Conley. Uh, but this Jazz team, they look a lot better, and they brought Mike Conley off the bench as he's come back. I think that's going to be the role that you see Mike Conley in going forward. I think at this point in the in his career, it's got to be. I mean, it's clear that Mike isn't the same player that he was. 
Um, and again, you don't know if it's an adjustment from, um, you know, being so ball dominant all those years in Memphis or if he still needs a little bit more time. But yeah, I mean, I think that Utah's going to have to bring him off the bench. Um, and again, you and I were high on this Utah team in the beginning. Uh, I actually, I, I, I like this trade that they made for Jordan Clarkson. Um, I like everything that they've done. I think they're going to be t- a tough out. My issue with the West in general is I feel like the Clippers and Lakers are so much better than everyone else. See, I disagree, uh, man. I think I think the the um the continuity of that Jazz team because the core of that team has kind of been together for the last three or four years, and like you were saying, kind of getting to know each other, knowing how to knowing each other, um, and knowing where you're gonna be. They only really added Mike Conley and they added Jordan Clarkson. Where if they can figure that bench and Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah, Bogdan, but he fits in seamlessly, it seems. Right. But they're a lot better with Joe Ingles in that starting lineup with Bogdanovich. If you can get Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson to be like sparks off the bench and, you know, add that second dynamic to what they already have, they play defense just as well as, you know, the Clippers with Kawhi. They have that stopper under the rim and Gobert. Um, I think that. Who that go- they- and Gobert has been. Balling. I'm telling he you, he has been, and he's balling. a pro- he's a problem for uh, a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George and those players because they don't have players like that. You have Anthony Davis, but he can give Anthony Davis real problems down there. He can stop LeBron James from coming to a lane, coming through the lane. The only problem that they've had in the playoffs the last couple of years was their consistency in outside shooting. Adding yeah, Bogdanovich, they can't, they couldn't score. Yeah, adding Bogdanovich has been big for them, man. And this is the Utah team that I thought I was going to see. Uh, when they made those off-season moves. Now, Conley didn't really work out like I thought, but it's not done because he can still offer something off the bench. I agree with you. Um, and that that gives them a depth that you know most teams in the West don't have. Um, to be able to bring Mike Conley and a guy like Jordan Clarkson off the bench is, is huge. Um, and I agree with you that putting Joe Ingles back in that starting lineup, I mean, you can see that when he doesn't have the playmakers, he's not as dynamic, but he's the perfect person to run that offense. Um, that's run, why, run that offense through. That's why I think the switching of Conley to the bench is better for that overall offense because he can be that ball dominant, just go score. Him and Jark, um, Jordan Clarkson can go out there and just score and not worry about getting other players involved because they don't really have any other serious talent on the bench that you're worried about getting shots when they come in the game. You know what I mean? So when Clarkson and Conley come in, they can be all about scoring. And then when the first unit is out there, Joe Ingles is the kind of default point guard with Donovan Mitchell playing off the ball, being the score. I like, I really like what Utah's doing. I thought this was a team that we were going to get early in the season. It took them a while to jail, but I think people are sleeping on them. I think they're going to be a force in the West. Do we have to stop with the Donovan Mitchell comparisons to to Dwayne Wade? Why would we? I you know I just I, his game definitely reminds me of Dwayne Wade. I I do think that it's just you you mentioned earlier we got to stop comparing players in different eras. I just don't see a, a where where Donovan Mitchell is Dwayne Wade like putting a team on his back, riding him to a title. Dwayne Wade. Yeah, but you you get you're so hard on players early. You don't remember that Wade wasn't doing that this early either. This is only Donovan's yeah. third year. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, he, to be fair, every year he's growing and getting better. But Wade, Dwayne Wade won a title his third, his third year. Yeah, I mean, he won a title his third year. But no, I I overall I get what you're saying. But like Dwayne Wade went from like 
oh shit, this dude's good. Like, oh shit, this dude might be one of the best in history. And I, you know, I and maybe you're right. Well, I, I, it, I, it does take. You're right. It's his third year, but I would say in maturity because you Dwayne Wade went to college for three years. Fair. Donovan Mitchell Fair. came out his first year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, theoretically they have three years of inter- NBA experience, but maturity levels. Dwayne probably has more experience in his third year in the NBA. I'm blanking. Where did Donovan Mitchell go to school again? Shit. For some reason. Oh, Louisville, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it Louisville? It was Louisville. Yeah, You're like right. Was Louisville. Yeah. And he wasn't. Yeah. He didn't even feel like it wasn't like he was the main dominant scorer no, on Louisville he, he either. Did he, he, did he win that title there? I'll be lying if I told you that I knew that he did. <laughs> I can't remember. That's how much, you know, I give a shit about college basketball. But, uh,. He was yeah, close. I'm, he was close. I know it was like Harold, and I feel like he was the year after they won the title. Yeah, he was right. He was either it was yeah, he was right in that window. Yeah, like I feel like that he didn't win. He was the like year after or another year. I don't know. I don't think he won the title though. But um, all right, man. What what else do you want to get to before we get out of here? Uh, I remember you were hard on LeBron early in the season, saying that he was coasting, that he had lost it. That he wasn't the man anymore. Kawhi was by far better than him, and LeBron was just a bum. And he's came out and shown that he's probably the best point guard in the NBA right now, uh, leading the league and existed like forty-seven years old. You gonna apologize to the great LeBron? First of all, it's pure hyperbole. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, that's not even say something like that. But to be fair, I do think I still think Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA on any given night. But Let's LeBron, not talk about the best player. Who's the best point guard in the NBA right now? Is it not LeBron? I mean, yeah, I mean it's it's LeBron. It's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, the dude's incredible. Um, and and th- that's you know we talked about Kobe earlier. You talked about the great Michael. I mean, this dude. This is what his 18th year, and you know you're you're seeing a different version of LeBron, right? This is like the third iteration of LeBron. You went from the athletic, couldn't be stopped to you know to Miami Heat to back to Cleveland and now this LA LeBron that is still very dominant and very good and can still just grab you a triple double on any given night. Shit, this might um, be the best version of LeBron because just because don't get it, looks, carried away. it looks so easy. Don't that's get what, carried that's what away. I'm saying. Like even when he's in like Miami, he looks like he's struggling. He not like he was struggling, but it just looked like he was trying hard. When he was with the Cavs Early in his year, he looked like he was chasing stats. He was having fun, but it looked like he was chasing stats. Cleveland, it looked like he had to just put the team on his back and give everything he had every single game where he was almost, like, fatigued out of his mind. He looked so comfortable coasting, getting, like, 15 assists. Like, this is, like, his most natural position. This is the dangerous territory that you're that you're walking along, though. the 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 fact is that he's evolved and the game has evolved. But just like Michael Jordan, just like Kobe Bryant, we talked about like all of a sudden, if a young person listens to this, or if a person who's like when people think of Michael Jordan, all they think about is that ninety six to ninety eight run with the Bulls. They don't think about eighties Mike. They don't think about number eight Kobe. They think about twenty four, and that's what that's what you're doing right now, with LeBron. Like, yes, he's great, having a great part of his. But let's not forget that what, if this dude retired this year, we'd go back and look at LeBron from like oh oh five oh six to really two thousand fifteen, be like, yo, this dude was so, incredible. So if LeBron and AD run off three championships with LeBron averaging fifteen assists a game and putting these stats up, 
Is this not the LeBron that you would want to remember? This is the best version of LeBron. This is the I'd best. say it's the most complete version of LeBron. But with without with that said, I mean he's clearly not as athletic. He's clearly not as as defensively motivated. But offensively, yes. Intellectually, and, he's thinking the game now. He's just not raw as well. He should be athleticism. That that's the same thing Mike did when he came back. And he had the post game, same thing Kobe did when he came. When he after he won them other titles, he got a post game. I mean, just little things to to, to rework your game um, that that the greats do. And while we're on it, I gotta say, and I, I sent you, I talked to you about this earlier. If somehow the Lakers win the title this this year, or or this, I, I think the debate's over. I think LeBron James is the best player in history. I agree. Three teams, three titles, carrying them, different iterations of himself, being able to transform himself on several occasions to be the best version of what those teams needed, I, I wouldn't have any arguments with saying he is the best player. And I think it'll be hard for anyone to have any arguments that he's not the best player. With that being said, do you think that they win a title this year? I don't think it's a, vo- a foregone conclusion, but if you put a gun in my head, I would not bet against LeBron James. Um, I'm going no. I mean, as good as LeBron and as good as AD has been, I mean, we all get caught up in the regular season, number one record, this, that, and the other, but we know that that's not always. I think they're going to have some real problems when they start facing the elite teams for seven games because they're going to start king on those role players, and I don't trust any of those role players. I don't trust JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Danny Green, none of them. I just don't know who beats them. Um, you, I mean, you could say you could easily talk me into the Clippers beating them. I, I would say that's the. But again, I don't see Utah. I mean, Utah would give them problems, but that I think that's it. I think they run. De- I think they beat Denver. I think they, you know. Bro, you. I, I think they beat Denver. I mean, we agree on that because Denver is a regular season team. They now Michael Porter Jr. is coming along. If they can get all their weapons and Michael Porter Jr. can continue to develop in what I'm seeing with the shooting, the rebounding, the versatility, they could give the Lakers problem because they don't have any answer for Michael Porter Jr. Anthony Davis can only guard one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and you and if Jamal Murray can be the iteration of Jamal Murray that he was last year in the playoffs, that's a lot of ifs with Denver. I like Utah against them. Don't care what you say, I think the Houston Rockets give them problems in a seven game series. One thousand percent. Yeah, you you know, Houston's just gonna have to show me I'm out on them. If they couldn't beat Golden State, with you know, you know what I mean. Like that's I don't want to get into it, though. but I mean that's a good I'm team. Just they saying. took them to seven. I mean they had some stuff happen. Like, I'm I, out on Golden State. Hey, I I'm sorry, I'm I'm out on Houston. I, they they are legitimately gonna have to show me. I'm just saying uh, they, they've been to what them. like three or four consecutive Western Conference Finals. Yeah, don't I ain't buying not this team. Uh, <laughs> you know. It's They're going to have to show me. It's just you swap Chris Paul out with Russell Westbrook. Going to have to show me. Um, all right, man, before we get out of here, let's get to the All-Star uh, starters real quick. Uh, you and I are disagreeing on Trey Young. Uh, I don't think there's any way he should be a starter, well, and Ben Simmons man. is not. But you think Kimba Walker should be a starter, though? I just reward winning. I, you know, is that wrong? Should should a guy that's on a ten win team, twelve win team be on? This isn't about winning. This is about a fan fun game, giving people individual talent who earned it. This is an individual award. This is not a team award. It's an individual award. And that's fair, but I just for me now I got a lot of respect for Trey Young, especially after the whole Kobe thing last night. Like I I mean, and I, I I've said to you before, I think that Trey Young is 
an empty stats guy, but he possesses elite talent, elite skills, all that. We don't have to debate Trey Young. But for me, again, and maybe that's the old school part of me that like really appreciates winning and, and will ding you for not being on a winning team, but that's just is what it is, man. If if they if they were in the playoff hunt, if they were competitive, like hell yeah, Trey Young's a, a, an all star starter, but they're not. All I'll say to that is you're still blaming Trey Young for the players that are around him and his team. Your favorite guy, Luca, he was putting up the same type of stats he's putting up this year, but his team was trash. But y'all didn't hear this. Oh, his team sucked. Luca's empty stats. It's only empty stats when you don't have anybody to support you. You can only do it so many times. If he's accounting for damn near 60% of the offense on the court, I mean, what else could a little dude do? He's only 4'7". Like, God, dang, what, what, mean, what do you want from him? What more can I do, Marcus? I don't know. But, you know, maybe if he grew six, you know, another six inches, I'd be all right with it. But I don't know. Yeah, my, uh, my only snub is I don't believe I'm cool with Trey. I don't think Kimba should have been a starter. I think Kimba should have been on the team. He shouldn't have been a starter. Give me Ben Simmons. Give me Jimmy Butler. Um, that's the only thing that I have on the East. The West, I think they pretty much got it right. Yeah, I mean, th- there's not much debate about the West. I mean, it, it just, you know, <laughs> that's how it has to be. Yeah. So, uh, there's the rules. Yep. I mean, yeah, no complaints there. I, that said, I still ain't going to watch the All-Star game. I don't really care one way or the other. Shit, um, shit, um, after, like, I was waiting to watch the uh, Denver play, but, you know, then the Kobe news broke, so they didn't put it on TV. And I just started flipping to my through my channels at 2 p.m. It was like, oh, shit, the Pro Bowl's on at, like, 1 p.m. on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I, I don't even think the NFL gives a shit about the Pro Bowl anymore. They're just like, uh, yeah, just throw it on a Sunday. Who cares, you know? They're putting the uh, skills challenge on, like, Thursday at 4 right. o'clock. <laughs> They're not trying to get views for this shit. So, you know, and that's probably because they know it's not a good quality thing. So it's like, you know, if they watch it, I mean, I feel like only degenerates watch the freaking Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, so. I mean, I understand. I mean, you already have safety issues, so you can't have them playing hard in a recreational game. You don't want to play. I mean, I feel like they should just make it flag football. Fuck it. Make I, the Pro Bowl some, flag. It might be more interesting if you make it flag football. Because I'd rather watch the skills challenge. I mean, exactly. I mean, I'm with you. So I mean, you can't tackle. So when they're going, you know, you see people not giving full effort. Nobody wants to get hurt. You play flag football, it's probably going to be a more competitive game. Yep. So, all right, man. Uh, that's all I got. Once again, um, incredibly sad day in the world of basketball. Um, and, and as you guys are watching tonight, uh, ESPN just announced they're going to play Kobe's final game on ESPN tonight. Um, and and. For the young listeners out there, you guys are going to really, hopefully, get a chance to to understand why Kobe meant so much to 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 you know to us. So, um, Kobe, we'll never forget you. Rest in peace to all the victims that that were a part of this tragedy. Um, to your daughter, to your wife, um, and to the families involved, man. That's yeah, what man. I got. Yeah, man. Very sad. Um, prayers go out to all the families. Um, but yeah, man. Hope I hope everyone get past this and really appreciate what Kobe did bring to the game and stop debating where he's at and is he as good as Michael Jordan or is he as good as LeBron James it doesn't really matter man Kobe Bryant was great in his own right he has his own legacy and nobody will ever be able to take that away agreed all right y'all we'll be back next week with another episode
That's it. That's all. And always, you can find us on our website, www, the number two smart network. It connects you to all our social media, all different ways to listen. Um, we have blog posts. We need to put another one. I might put a Kobe one on there tonight. But yeah, just go to the website. You can see old podcasts, new podcasts, things from the site, uh, other, other episodes. That's it. That's all, y'all. Peace. Peace.